Welcome back to the Snack Walls Podcast. I'm Mike Roberts, your host, and we're here to talk about increasing and maintaining diversity in tech beyond the perks. While companies think they can lure people in with unlimited PTO and dogs in the office, we're here to talk about how you keep them. All right, in a few sentences, can you tell us who you are and what it is that you do? Uh, my name is Marie. I'm the CIO and co-founder of Data360. And uh, what we do is we uh, use AI machine learning in a platform as a service to uh, help companies reduce their costs by up to 90%. Um, and our customers primarily use our products for marketing, sales, HR. So we're a low-cost alternative to like Facebook or running Google Ads or Indeed or any of the traditional web or SaaS platforms that tend to be very costly for communicating or recruiting people or managing projects. Nice. I like that. Saving money, automating things. I'm all about that. So I'm hearing from some tech leaders that finding diverse talent is a challenge. What are your thoughts? Um, It's a systemic and infrastructure issue. Um, it, you know, we've, we've been on committees with the city of Los Angeles with other companies like SpaceX and Facebook and Tesla and NBC. Um, it's a systems issue. Um, you know, the pipelines are there or the potential to build out pipelines are there. Um, but the HR people need systems and practices to follow that will create a more diverse workforce. Um, too often, most HR people, most companies uh, tend to make it kind of like a one trick thing. And, OK, that's where we get our diverse people. And then it doesn't really solve the problem. It doesn't really help. So uh, and part of it also is, you know, they don't talk to diverse talent. <laughs> they don't talk to diverse talent and give them the truth and give them real information, you know. And, and you know, even with our company. We partner with Google and Microsoft. Sometimes it's like pulling teeth to get information out of people. Um, and there's lots of reasons uh, that we can talk about why that is. But but getting the right information out of people and, feel, and people feeling like they can stick their neck out for what's right and what's just. You know, being, a, being rewarded for that versus being questioned for that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that could be a, a reason why a lot of people are unwilling to go against the status quo, right? So it's, it's right. easier to not fight the inertia and the momentum and just continue to do practices that we know are not leading to the outcomes that people are saying that they want. So I think, you know, one area that I've seen some um, some advancement in is the, the push to remove CS requirements for many of these software engineering roles. So what are your thoughts around that? Yeah, I think it's a good first step. I think it's the, the first inch in a mile. <laughs> Um, because there are so many barriers to getting an actual CS degree and there's a lot of discouragement. Even in my own personal story, I don't have a CS degree. I have a Bachelor of Arts and I am a full-blown engineer and I've been an engineer for years. I didn't recognize myself as an engineer because I was not encouraged to do so. And I I didn't have the right mentors and the right people in my life to say, you're definitely an engineer. My father said I was an engineer, but I sort of like didn't believe him. And that was that was an interesting challenge. Yeah, yeah I, did, I didn't really believe him because I didn't have any surrounding people affirming that idea. So I thought, oh, 
I'm a writer or I'm a executive assistant or any of those things where I got confirmation that that was possible. Even sales, I got more confirmation than say an engineer. So right. uh, I just didn't see that anywhere around me. So I was kind of like, uh, okay, pops, whatever you say. It turns out he was completely right. But it took me years. It took me years to discover that. It took me it took me years to see how that talent unfolded. Yeah, my dad told me don't go, don't go to school for a computer engineering degree. So I was like, <laughs> <laughs> whatever. What? Man. Now I'm like, what? <laughs> it's like no one goes to school to study computer programming. You should be an accountant. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> but I was on the my, 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 I was. I know. I, was I told my this. parents. I told my parents I wanted to be a financial planner. They said that was useless. <laughs> so I thought that was interesting too. So it's like all those kind of old school cultural things. It is. You know? Yeah. And so that's a big piece of it, I think, too, is like if people don't envision themselves in these roles and if they're not encouraged, then it's even that much harder to get them into the pipeline. But then when you throw up legitimate barriers like the degree requirement, it's like game over. You're just going to be impossible to make this diversity and inclusion and equity thing happen. So, yeah. What about, they don't um, even bother applying. Yeah, yeah. And so if you're not on your pipeline, there's no way you're ever going to be able to, you know, make that higher. Um, What about apprenticeship patterns? What what are your thoughts for um, apprenticeship patterns as far as tech roles are concerned? Um, Yeah, so in uh, with the city of Los Angeles, we've seen a lot of success around apprenticeships and academy models, um, which are kind of pseudo apprenticeships. But basically, uh, even with Microsoft, uh, we've been uh, advocating to build out uh, one of their leap apprenticeship programs here in Los Angeles um, because there are a lot of successes with apprenticeships because they, they get a mentor, they get guides, they get people to ask questions to, they get safe space because there's like the safe space to ask silly questions, to, to feel uncomfortable, uh, to have camaraderie. Um, one thing I can say with Microsoft is they I give them a lot of kudos for several diversity inclusion programs where they make that happen for them, uh, for for the diverse talent. So whether it's people with autism, they have an awesome program for people with autism. They have an awesome program for Black engineers. They have Leap. Um, they have a number of things. And I'm not really like a company girl. I'm not saying that because like wow, wow, Microsoft, but I really think they're doing a great job with the apprenticeship model and and we're really supporting them to grow that um in major cities we're one of their partners and we're advocating for that um the other uh and then i've seen you know subsequently many other tech companies come out with academy or apprenticeship models um and uh the la chamber of commerce we work with them to build out more programs like that so we're even building out an ai academy hopefully with microsoft soon so we're focused on on that model. I think it really works um, because because it creates both structure and intimacy for the for the candidates to be able to explore and not feel uh, as vulnerable as they do in internships, which is it sure. seems to be like a little more. Per, you're not paid as well, so there's you know they still have if they're impoverished or they have different issues with security around transportation or food or whatever, they just don't get paid well enough. Um, they don't get the same security as a regular employee, whereas an apprentice really does. Um, an apprentice kind of earns that spot and they're taught how to earn the spot. So I, I think the apprenticeship model works better than the traditional like internship. I like that. 
that wasn't even the question, but I like how you just pivoted and you made it the question. Because like when I say say the apprenticeship pattern, a lot of times people will echo back to me intern. They're like, oh, that's cool. You do internships. I'm like, no, 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 bro. I didn't say that word. (laughs) I didn't say that word at all. And so it is important. It's always kind of like juxtaposed as if like there are those two options. And it's like, no, they're completely different things. And you might do like one on the path to getting like as an organization, getting yourself ready and competent to be able to do an apprenticeship. But an apprenticeship is pretty legit. And it's a pattern that's been around for a really long time. And I hope internships just like fade off into the sunset because we don't need any more of that noise. So um, no. what advice would you share with companies that are looking to retain diverse staff? So let's say they go do a great job of getting folks on board. How do you keep them? Safe space. Uh, that's what I've seen work over and over again. Safe space, space that works with the whole of the company, but also safe space where they're around people like them. Um, it has, you have to have both spaces, um, because, because of the state that we're in as a planet and the state that we're in in the United States, there's still these gaps, right? And, and as a person of color, as a woman of color, all of these different aspects of who I am, I'm, I'm, I hit every diversity box, every single one, all four of them. <laughs> um, not having a space to be yourself and to be able to say, how do I deal with this? Or what do you think? Or how should I approach this person or be able to have a mediating force to help you deal with things that come up from bias, from racism, from microaggressions, from all these different things. It just gets built up and it turns into a disaster. So there has to be an outlet for these things to happen. Right. And there has to be a way to create resolution. So, you know, uh, not just having the, the split off of groups, but, but there has to be a process or a workflow to resolve the tension and to resolve the issue, right? And and sometimes I hate to say it, you know, if you have a group that's creating chaos or creating division, you have to really address that as a company. You have to make a decision as a culture, like what do you what do you want to promote? Are you willing to keep having this crazy culture in your company or do you want to fix it? Right. And so, you know, yeah, I would say with our company, when we were recruiting people, we mostly got white males in the beginning. And some of the patterns that were emerging were not productive um, towards the culture that we were building. And we're a black and Asian owned company. <laughs> and so we we're like, whoa, this is really strange uh, that, you know, we're the owners, yet we're getting aggressed upon as if we're the employees. Um, so there were some things like that that were happening. So, you know, we had to make very conscious decisions about sourcing and screening and vetting and onboarding contractors and employees and then people who have tech skill gaps, because that's also an issue, uh, versus engineers and how to deal with engineers and all these different issues, right, that we, we're always working with. It, there's a lot of work. Just put into it, but you have to really. The first decision is who are you as a company? What is your culture? What do you really stand for? And and don't just slap right. it on a slogan or make a program like build it from the inside. Yeah, you have to have that north star. You got to have a set of values so that you know how to drive that culture. And and to your point, see when it's off, and you know how do you make an an adjustment and course correct to get it back on track to what you want to again back to your north star, what you want to be able to accomplish. So I like that. Yeah. That is uh, deep. I like that a lot. So, um, 
as someone who's someone like yourself, your leader. So who's someone like yourself that you'd like to acknowledge and you think would be a great guest on like a podcast like this? Oh, like this. Okay. I was going to say, I love Avery DuVernay with all my heart. Well, she can be on my radar. I just don't know if I can make it happen. (laughs) I feel like I might, I might actually be able to help you out with that word. Nice. Uh, we're about one degree away from each other right now, which is cool, uh, yeah. officially, um, because of some work we're doing with Sundance Media uh, Institute. So, um, yeah, but I would say uh, as a leader, you know, I just met uh, a leader. Her name is uh, Shelly. I don't know how to pronounce her last name correctly, but I will send it to you. And yeah. she uh, used to work with IBM. Uh, she was a, a major leader, um, I believe, VP level at IBM, and also had been a CEO. She's talking about what it means to be a black woman CEO. In the, I just saw her uh, talk yesterday or the day before, um, and it was a uh, it's amazing because she's a generation behind me. She's my parents' generation, um, and what she had to go through if she was in different countries like Japan and how she was treated and, and what she went through with IBM. Um, she really wanted to be the CEO of IBM. and uh, She was constantly cut out of meetings and all kinds of things. Like nonsense. they interviewed. Yeah. So one, the thing that made me angry and she said, her husband got angry and I, I agree with her husband that, <laughs> uh, that they cut her out of every meeting. Like, like literally they interviewed every person in that territory except her. And she found out about it, you know, things like that, where they just purposely ignore. Right. Like just not. Yeah. That's the thing that just makes you like Hulk angry. Like I get Hulk. You know, there's some things it's like, it's like, you know, it's like when, when uh, we achieve something in the company and um, I have two other co-founders, they kind of, they, they don't want to deal with the public um for good reason which is understandable yeah it's understandable which is actually understandable they just want to run a business every day so i'm the front person and i deal with the tech evangelism which i love to do right i love people and i love to hang out with people but i understand that you know dealing with all the microaggressions and the what's happening and how these things you know what's going on with this company and um you know we deal with enough uh quite a bit of tomfoolery (laughs) regarding our composition of our team. So I would say, you know, uh, Shelly's a great, great example of that. And, you know, I also love some of the younger sisters who are really, uh, you know, creating diversity groups uh, of different sorts out there. Um, You know, Kimberly with Black Girls Code, uh, who I know from, from years ago, and when she first launched in LA, is amazing. I would recommend her. Yeah, day these are all great out. voices. These are all awesome folks. So yeah. I'm definitely yeah. going to be on on the get those folks on the radar and on the hunt to have some of those folks come on and share their experience about you know what they see working, what's not working out there, and amplifying the the voice of the community that really again is often overlooked, but but exceptionally competent competent to be in some of these roles once given the opportunity to upskill and get a foot in the door, be in that circle, be in that network, I think some amazing transformations can happen. We'll add a lot of value to organizations because we look and we reflect what your customer base looks like in many cases. A lot of the customers of some of these large organizations look like us. So, you know, we've got got that advantage and we can be super helpful to organizations. So Yeah. 
And I also, I wanted, I wanted to actually mention one other person just before you sure. wrap, which is her. Her name is uh, Lindsay Heiser, who's with uh, Snapchat, and she manages right. that academy model. So I would definitely like to introduce you to her as well. Nice. I'm getting all the info today. I feel like this is a good one. We should have been doing this a long time ago. <laughs> so I got all these episodes stacked up. Awesome. Know, so huh? a couple more questions for you. One is um, more about what you're doing right now. So where can we find out more information about your company? This is a great time to promote anything that you're working on. Yeah. So our social media is super active. So uh, on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, now starting to be on Instagram as well. We're working on our Instagram um, that's where most of the, the hot boss, the hot business is about uh, what we're up to um, in our public programs. Uh, you can always email support at Solutions if you have a question or if you're curious about things we can work on. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn. I get tons of LinkedIn requests and uh, I answer them. I, I bet awesome. you answer every single one. Cool. So happy, happy to address your concerns any or questions uh, any of those venues great so i will throw as many of those links as i can get into the show notes and <laughs> excuse me and give people a great opportunity to connect with you across all of those mediums I, i'm a i'm a big social especially big linkedin fan so that's my jam so last question for you and that is what have you been snacking on lately what's your favorite snack i have been obsessed with ramen and not the mm. not the not the twenty cent kind, like all the other varieties of <laughs> ramen. So I've been in vegan ramen and uh, okay. specialty ramen and Tokyo version ramen because you can get all those. I've been on Amazon all crazy, uh, so looking at all the different snacks. So <laughs> for ramen, because I know some folks that do this, and then some people are gonna maybe this isn't their jam, but. Do you eat raw ramen or do you only cook ramen? Yeah, I don't do the ramen as chips. I I, cl- okay. I cook. It's got to be cooked. The ramen. All right. I cook the ramen. I, I thought you were going to ask about the egg because some people put a raw egg in there and they let it cook inside the ramen. I do that. I do. I'm a, I'm a so fan of I that. like doing like that. That's a California yeah. thing. Yeah, that's like great Sunday morning breakfast is just ramen noodles, a couple eggs in there. Love that. So yes. I'm with yes. you there. So, Yay. all right, well, Marie, I really appreciate <laughs> you coming on the program and I appreciate those snacks. So thanks. Thanks, Mike. The San Diego Code School is a proud sponsor of the Snack Walls podcast. The San Diego Code School is leading companies to tech equity. The tech enabled apprenticeship program is a venture whose heart is to do a lot of social good and do good work. You can help San Diego Code School secure funding for change by hiring developers, bringing a team in to relieve your backlog, or becoming a program sponsor. You can visit us on the web for more information at http colon forward slash forward slash sdcs.io. 